0: Their jerseys may not hang in the Rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Hey, Jeff.
1: Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. How's it going? Not too bad. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us tonight. I'd really appreciate it. Obviously, you being so intimately involved with the Lakers for a significant portion of Kobe's career, I thought you'd be a, a great person to have on, and Brandon agreed. You know, we can just jump right into
0: it. So how did
1: you how did you find out about the tragedy on January 26th?
0: It was uh well, it, it was kind of a crazy day. My father uh, and my, my parents, both my, my father and mother, are here in California visiting. And my father had actually had some health issues. So we had um, we had brought him to the hospital here in Orange County, actually not far from where Kobe and Vanessa lived with their kids. And we were in my father's hospital room that morning. And I saw a tweet on my phone, um, a couple of people had texted me and I'd kind of had my phone to the side. And then when I, I picked it up, I saw the, the texts, didn't really think anything of it. And then when I logged on to the internet and saw the tweets, I mean, just, just shock, you know, I, I just kind of blurted it out. And, you know, my father and my brother who were in the room kind of both just looked as incredulous as i did and you know just one of those moments that you'll never forget my first reaction was i think the first thing i saw online said kobe Bryant involved in helicopter crash mm-hmm. and my first thought to be honest with you was you know he, he survived you know there's no chance that that he's gone you know yeah. because he was so you know even for for the fans but for those of us that were fortunate enough to be around him there was just such a sense of invincibility around the guy. There's just, you, you could never imagine that something would, would take his life, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. it was just it was shocking. And then a couple of minutes later, you know, we saw the tweet and, uh, just even now, you know, your heart just kind of shoots down into your, shoots up into your throat, it's just still, still hard to process.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was, it was, that was a Sunday afternoon. My older brother texted me and, um, he said, Kobe passed question mark. And I'm like, I'm just yeah. such a diehard Lakers fan, diehard Kobe fan. I, I thought in a weird way, he was like trying to call Kobe a ball hog just to like give me crap or something. And I was really <sighs> confused. And then, uh and then it hit me and I was like, Oh wait, is he saying he died? And then, so I Googled it really quickly and saw the TMZ report and other areas. And I, yeah, I was thinking like, at first I was thinking, this isn't real. This is a hoax, you know, something is going to, Someone's playing some kind of cruel joke. And then, uh, you know, just the more and more reports and all of a sudden it's on. I don't remember what it was. CBS's show on that day. Maybe Fox Sports Mm -hmm. or something. But uh, Brandon, how'd you find out? Um, So my son is about six months old and I'm building
2: a dresser for him. And my my mom texts me, says, did Kobe Bryant die? I just kind of nonchalantly throw it aside, like that can't be true, just like you mentioned spiro there's there's no possible way like that's that's not the way we all envision this man living, so I there was like there's no possible way, and then I keep getting texts and i I just get angry because I get a bunch of people telling me that this man is no longer here, and I just was not prepared for it, so I went straight up into denial and then I kept on getting report, and then I just became. I just kind of threw it aside. I ne- I just needed to finish m- the dresser. That's what I put my mind to. I was like, I can't right. deal with that right now. Um, and then I just ended up being, just, I'm sure like all of us like sick to
0: my stomach
1: for the rest of the day and moving forward. Uh, Spear, for you, did any particular interactions come flooding back immediately?
0: Oh, so many memories. You know, the, the six years that I was there you kind of become invested emotionally in someone and then Kobe was obviously he was he was always the brightest light in the room he had a presence about him the persona of you know the charisma that i think really set him apart from other great players you know because we've seen you know guys that have excelled and some of the all-time greatest players but what set him apart was 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 everything you know the the smile and the interactions we had with him over the years that I had with him, I, I've been thinking a lot about the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, man, my very first game in Denver in early November of 2005, I, I've, I've told the story a bunch. Mm-hmm. Him hitting that, that shot with about 20 seconds left from the top of the circle to win it. You know, my very first Lakers game, Kobe hit a <laughs> shot it in the last seconds to win Yeah, it. I remember that one, yeah. Him uh, coming up to me on the back of the plane that night as we flew back to L.A. just as I was falling asleep and tapping me on the shoulder and, you know, kind of waking me up and saying, hey, how did your first game go? And kind of giving me a look and a laugh and a little wink as he walked away, you know, before as I tried to stammer my response to him.
2: Oh. <laughs>
0: um, just, you know, I mean, just showing up to Staples the, the game after he had scored the 81 and, you know getting there super early thinking I'd be the first one in the building I think it was four hours before tip and seeing Kobe and his trainer on the court the only two people in the building working out like a strenuous workout four hours before tip you know two days after he'd scored 81 points and that moment really cementing to me what he was who he was as a player and um but but mostly guys to be honest with you i think there you know, the two parts of this one is is kobe the basketball star and the, the basketball icon that he was to me it was the the more tragic part was just seeing who he had become in his post career he was so happy he seemed so content to finally be able to be a father to his four girls and mm. you know to invest himself into his family he was just he seemed so content and uh, to, to see what he was doing to promote women's athletics and, and to coach his girls and to coach Gigi, uh, just so, so tragic. And You know, I don't think any of us will be able to really make peace with it for a long time because in, in a lot of ways it just doesn't make any sense why someone like that would be taken from us. And And the more we learn about, you know, the other seven people who perished You know, uh, aside from Kobe and and Gianna. I mean, they all sounded like these just amazing people um, who have left such a huge hole in this community. And I live in Orange County. I live, you know, very close to where some of them lived, you know, here in San Juan Capistrano and and obviously Newport Beach where the Altabellis lived. Um, So it just kind of hits home a little more because this is such kind of a tight-knit community and they were obviously such a huge part of it. So, um just it's just a tragedy of uh, on so many different levels. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even
1: just uh, I know Brandon's local in that area, but me being in Dallas and just being able to feel it. You know, just, I think just even on the national level, like me being able to feel it so closely in Dallas just goes to show what he meant to, mm-hmm. you know, everyone even outside of California. It's just been it's just been incredible in the worst way.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think the other thing I think people need to understand is the love affair that exists in this town between people in LA people in SoCal and the Lakers and Kobe was this was the epicenter of that for for so many for 20 years you know mm-hmm. they watched him grow up you know he showed up here as a 17 year old basketball prodigy and they literally grew up with him um, you know through all of his trials and tribulations you know he wasn't a perfect person we, we obviously know that but You know, they they grew up with him and they grew to love him. And uh, he was he was the star of stars. And, you know, it just it's still again, it's we keep repeating ourselves, but I don't (laughs) think we've ever anyone's ever experienced something like this. I mean, to lose someone like that still in the prime of his life, obviously in retirement, but Mm -hmm. still in the prime of his life at only 41 years of age, someone of his magnitude. Uh, I think was was unprecedented for, you know, for most everyone.
1: So I've, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, like that first game in Denver, the 81 point game. You mentioned the workout after. I mean, do you have any particular games or moments that are that are your favorite ones that might surprise people? Like that's that's not the 81 point game. That's not the two championships in '09 and 2010. But any other favorites that might surprise people?
0: Oh, man. Well, you know, it, it may surprise people in that it was not one of his better games, but it was the second championship against Boston um, in 2010. Game 7, to me, was was so unique in that, you know, it was one of the big, I think, defining moments of Kobe's career, you know, based on the fact that they lost to the Celtics in 08. You know, this was their moment to to reconcile that and to to get their redemption, and here they were in the biggest moment of all of their careers. I think in a lot of ways it was the, it was the defining moment of Kobe's career, despite all the successes that he had had. Because obviously, you know, those first couple of championships were pre shack and you know, '09 was was amazing and it was great, but it was against a team that really wasn't their arch enemy. You know, this was the moment against right. the Celtics, and I can remember at halftime of Game Seven. You know, as you guys recall, they it was a really ugly first half. And the first obviously there was so much pressure the moment, mm-hmm. you know, it's game seven in the finals. And there was a sense at halftime that my God, this is not going their way. You know, they weren't playing well. Kobe was 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 just not playing well at all. I mean his shooting percentages were off. He just a you terrible can sense shooting that night. Yeah, you can sense that, you know, for the first time like he was just you could feel the weight of the Mm -hmm. moment, kind of getting the best of him. And as I always did at halftime, I'd go downstairs, uh, you know, to kind of use the bathroom, you know, to to do what we had to do at halftime, just a couple of minutes. And I I peeked into the family room where the players' families all kind of congregate at halftime. And I saw, I mean, you can sense, because, you know, the, the families of the players know, Firsthand, just how much pressure these guys were under in those moments, mm-hmm. and I can remember seeing a couple of people crying. You know, a couple of players, their wives were con- were crying because people sensed that my God, this is going to end really badly, and and so that you know, it kind of was one of those moments where I said, my God, this is this is real, you know. Yeah. And and to to see it end the way it did, and to see Kobe you know, not have his finest moment, you know, obviously didn't have a great second half, but made some huge plays and had some big moments and they win the, the sense of relief and the joy and the emotion that I think he unleashed at the end of that game, that was so real and was so raw. And it was just kind of one of those moments that I'll never forget, you know, to be able to, to be in that seat and to broadcast that game with Michael and John Ireland and the rest of the crew was uh it was pretty cool. And they've they've been playing it a little bit the last couple of days, so we've we've had a chance to relive it and uh Yeah. Some one of one of so many memories that I'll have.
1: Gosh, that game really sticks out for me too. I remember it so vividly. Um I was waiting tables at the time. It was scheduled the night of game seven. I paid somebody forty dollars to take my shift, so I was not going to miss that game. <laughs>
2: that a boy and, oh, uh,
1: man. I, Yeah, I was so stressed out at halftime that I just decided to listen to the game in my car on the radio, just drive around the block, because I just couldn't handle like actually watching Mm. it and then once they started to come back a little bit i ran back inside and was able to finish it back on the tv but um yeah that's a game that sticks out for me too brandon what do you remember about game seven
2: Uh, like like spiro said that was an ugly ugly game i just remember he was a monster on the boards uh he was just it, Mm. it just showed you what he can do that even if his shot isn't going down and a lot of people always criticize him for the volume shooting and all that stuff but to me it was just he just did whatever it took to win I saw Kobe throughout his entire career just try every single game. Every time I saw him, that's what made me a fan. And I've seen so many talented guys just not try. And just that was the epitome of Kobe. Like, well, the shot ain't working, so let me go get rebounds. I think he got like 15 or 16. Yeah, or that's
1: right, 15, yeah.
2: Something, something like that. It was – I mean, he was just – he's just a monster. Um, As a, mm-hmm. as a basketball player, I I've, I have so many memories, obviously, as a fan and growing up next to him, but – yeah, that game seven was just tremendous, right? Trem- and it was against Boston, so even sweeter because we yeah. <laughs> couldn't go down. We couldn't go down o two to Boston. They already have two championships more than us, so that one cut it. That would have mm-hmm. been that would have been too much.
0: And, yeah. and who would have thought that the guy that basically saves the night and saves the moment was Ron Artest? <laughs> you know, was yeah. to hit those shots that he did at the end. I think Kobe. There was a moment at the end of that game where Kobe sought him out and, and put his arms around him, and it was it was one of the most genuine embraces I've ever seen because he knew that Ron basically saved them because if Ron doesn't hit those shots that one three at the end of the game, um, mm-hmm. they don't win that game. It's very simple. He was the the unlikeliest of heroes in that moment. Oh yeah,
2: he did, didn't he do something against Phoenix in the in the series before that too?
0: Sure. Game five, Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, rebound and the, the reverse layup on that miss. Yeah. Was, wow. He had some unbelievable moments. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, Doug
1: Collins calling that game on TNT and saying something like who would have thought the Lakers would win a game on a Kobe Bryant air ball, but it was because of Ryan. <laughs> 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 so yeah, your last season, 2011, um, hard to believe it's been almost, almost a decade since you left the Lakers. Mm. Um, but do you still feel a connection to, you know, all things Kobe, all things Lakers, just given that you're still in broadcasting, still living in Southern California?
0: Oh God, yeah. You know, it's it's it it will always be home for me. It's such a special place and I've I've told people so many times over the years, you know, people think of the Lakers as this kind of big organization and huge kind of conglomerate, but there's such a a family run business. It's such an intimate place that the buses, you know, first, obviously, Dr. Bus created and Jeannie, I think, has taken it to the next level. Um, It's just kind of a mom and pop run place, you know, type of place, the way they they do business. You walk into the office and, you know, it's the same faces that were there years ago. You know, it's they're Mm -hmm. so loyal to their people. Um, And it starts with the owner. It starts with Jeannie. Uh, it trickles down all the way to the court and the support staff. Uh, people genuinely love the people that they work with there and, uh, and it will always be home for me. It really, really is. I mean, I tell people still to this day, it's it's the best six years that I will have ever had in this business, mm-hmm. no matter what I do from here on out. And I've had some incredible fortune to work at, at great places and, you know, some, some incredible opportunities over the years, but those six years, you know, that's, that's going to be the pinnacle for me. They'll, they'll forever be my golden years of my career.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I know I told you earlier I wanted to ask you another question about this year's team. So, like, yeah. I, I saw a game you did on the Lakers Pacers earlier this year with Greg Anthony on NBA TV. So, is it a little different for you, like, um, doing a Lakers game still, even though it's an entirely different, different cast and crew than if you were just doing, like, a random, you know, Rocket Spurs game or something?
0: Yeah, it's a little, of course. You know, and obviously, as announcers, the thing we have to do is we have to be uh, um, unbiased and, and to call it down the middle, and which, of course, is is easier to do the more experience you have and kind of learning how to do this job a little bit. But, you know, there's always a part of me inside that's, that will root for the team and hope that they, they do well. And it's, it's interesting. I've, I've been doing NBA games uh, nationally for Turner the last couple of years, but that was actually the first Lakers game that I've done. Um, we actually did another Laker game a couple of weeks later in early February against Phoenix, but that, that Pacers game in December was the first national Laker game I had done since leaving. And, um,
1: and it was, it was,
0: it was awesome. You know, it's, uh, yeah. I've had a, the opportunity to get to Staples a bunch of times since I left. I was there for Kobe's farewell game in 2016. And, oh, cool. uh, it's, it's always, it's always incredible to go back and to see old friends and to see Michael and John and. And the radio crew and Billy Mack and Stu, you know, it just feels like it feels like family. You know, everyone's just so great and so welcoming when I've been back there, even the ushers, you know, uh, who used to work kind of up where our broadcast booth is. They're still there. And, you know, just a lot of hugs and embraces and, uh, you know, a chance to kind of relive things. So it was uh, it was great. It was great fun. And uh, I'm just hopeful, you know, as a fan, that the NBA season resumes at some point, so we can see just how far this Lakers team goes.
1: Yeah, same here. I know the same goes for Brandon as well. Uh, oh. Just kind of biding time, figure out, you know, they're going to play in June. Is going to kick back up in July. I guess we we'll mm. just kind of wait and see. Fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, fingers are crossed for sure. This this team is too talented to have the season stripped away. I mean, obviously, we're there's bigger things going on, but strictly basketball focused. This Laker team had really something special, and it would be a shame to lose the season.
0: Yeah, you know, guys, I I think the optimist in me. There's just so much to lose. I think the NBA and and Adam Silver and everyone in New York in the front office—they're going to do everything in their power to salvage something. You know, Mm -hmm. does it mean that they come back in early June and play a truncated regular season, or you know, possibly they go right to the playoffs? I think if they do the latter scenario, they'll have to come up with a way to to help the teams that are not in the playoffs recoup some of the lost revenues, you know, because oh, that's I obviously think be of that. a little bit of an unfair situation. Uh, I I think they'll find a way if, if need be if, if there's a way that they can play games even if they're playing into August. I think that they're going to exhaust every avenue. So I'm not ready to give up yet. I I'm still fairly confident. Obviously, I think we're we're a long ways away from from you know, the end of this coronavirus situation that has been so tragic and we're all uh, affected by it and watching the news every day and and hoping that it ends soon and we could all get back to normal and and hope all the families that are dealing with it directly are comforted and are going to fight their way through. But once we do get back to normal, my God, I hope we're playing NBA basketball at some point this summer.
2: I I think you're right. Did you see Spencer Dinwiddie's idea? And I didn't want to, um, I don't know if everybody's seen it, but it was a pretty interesting tournament idea that I don't, the NBA said they're quote-unquote looking at it. You know, if you read a report on Twitter, you don't really know how real it is anymore. But that would be an interesting thing if the NBA decided to try, like, a little tournament idea out. I know they've been talking about it. This might be an
0: interesting I, I, time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think based on what we saw with the all, just with the All-Star game, you know, to change the format, I think Adam Silver has proven – just how uh, incredible he is as a commissioner. I think he's open to ideas. I think he's willing to be as progressive as, as needed. And based on these incredible circumstances, almost unprecedented circumstances, I think you almost have to think outside the box mm-hmm. if they're going to be able to to salvage some type of, of, of season here. So I think everything's on the table at this point. Absolutely. I, I did see uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's plan. I thought it made a lot of sense in a lot of ways. And, you know, if that's what it takes, if that – idea is is the one that's needed to make it happen and let's all sign up for right now and make it happen
1: yeah i couldn't agree more okay one last question spiro if you recall in our first episode i gave you a trivia question at the end where i asked you to name the ro everyone on the roster from your first year in la 05 06. Mm. um so i had the roster of your last year in la 2010 2011 16 names do you want to give it a shot
0: Oh boy, I'm going to fail this again um, You did right, pretty well, good if I recall e- <laughs> yeah. Alright, well the easiest ones. Let me start with the, the, the obvious guys Kobe, Fish, Powell, Lamar, uh, Andrew Bynum mm-hmm. Sasha um uh, Luke Walton um, Was Jordan Farmore on the 11 team?
1: I he was not I believe he
0: was He was not, he had left Okay, yeah. strike one <laughs> um, And these God. guys could
1: have played in as little as one game So it's just
0: Oh man, Jeff <laughs> Yeah, it's a good <laughs> <roster>. <laughs> Jeff always likes to put me on the spot This is <laughs> not good radio um, <laughs> How many do I have so far?
1: Um, you've named one, two, three, four, five, six You've named seven, you got nine to go
0: I mentioned Lamar Hmm does Brandon get to help me here and give me a lifeline? I'm, yeah. I'm terrible and put on the spot like this. I promise I do not have my iPhone open right now. I'm,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going to guess DJ Mbenga. No, he was gone. Oh, he was gone. He was a man. Okay, I'll, I'll give you. We've, we've talked about him a lot a little while ago. I'll give you Ron our test. Oh, Ron! Ron was still in the squad. Yeah, yeah World he was pace, still there. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was by. Yeah, he was by then. Um, uh, Matt, to, Matt Barnes. Yep, Matt Barnes, mm, right? Yeah, that
2: was right after the incident in Orlando. <laughs> yep. I'm
0: trying to think yeah. of that bench. Steve, I think Steve Blake was on that. still on that team, wasn't he?
1: Yep, that was his first year. Okay. Um, God. Six to go. Two
0: rookies. Two rookies. A couple of rookies. I'm trying to think <laughs> of the guards that came off the bench. Shannon Shannon was still on that team, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, yep, he was on the brand. team. Yeah, he was Brown, he was
1: still okay. there. That was his last year.
0: hmm I mentioned Sasha. What is that? Nine guys? Yeah, you're missing
1: you're missing five. Um besides the rookies, the other three are probably really hard, especially one of them. Mm. And if you're ready to throw in the towel, we can do that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just about I'm just about ready. There's a big a big guy off the bench, veteran guy who they signed. God. Um yeah. First uh, overall pick in the
1: 1995 NBA draft.
0: Uh, Joe, Smith, there. Joe yep, Smith. Smith. Joe Smith. Joe Smith. Yeah. Did an episode uh, with
1: him. I think that was before I did one with you, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Does yeah. it count to be a forgotten Laker
2: if we forget him on Forgotten Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: um, okay, so Theo you said you're ready was for too. Wasn't Theo still yep. on that team? Theo oh, was, yeah.
1: That's one know. of the tough ones, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. That's all. That's all I got. I'm done. Okay. Well, the two rookies, uh, Devin Ebanks and Derek character. Oh, Ebanks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And okay. then the last one, he played one. He was there in the preseason, Uh, got cut. They brought him back at the tail end of the year. He played one regular season game and a handful of playoff games. Trey Johnson. Oh, wow. I would never have gotten that one. Yeah. Actually, I did an episode with him and printed. It played one regular season game. I printed off a photo. And he signed it for me because we did it in person because he has a barber shop like a couple miles from my house, so that was just a cool interaction. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we've kept in touch Trey's a little a bit, dude. and he uh, said he was going to join my rec league basketball team, and then completely he didn't show up to one single game. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Well, I wouldn't take offense. Trey's a good dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's been super show. cool. Just um, the whole episode. And, well, uh, thank you for joining us tonight, Spiro. I really appreciate your time and uh, getting to talk about Kobe, his legacy in LA and uh, touching on your career again as well.
0: Always a pleasure. Next time we'll, uh, we'll end on a, a higher note, more entertaining note. I'll try to save some brain cells for the end of that interview. <laughs> All
1: right, That sounds good. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks Brandon.
0: Talk pleasure. to you guys
1: soon. Take care.
2: Spiro sounds exactly like, um, how I've heard him because I've listened to so many games on the radio. So yeah. it's just kind of like listening to Sphere on the radio, except I'm on it with him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, um, you know, like I was telling you earlier, to me, he sounds like completely different on games than his other voice, or I mean, like his, you know, regular phone voice. Maybe that's just my opinion, <laughs> but like, you know, I met Kevin Harlan at a wedding once and he, he, I was so weird. Just like, I felt like he was talking to me like through my TV <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, he sounds but, exactly
2: the same, like high, high energy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exact same. And then you know, you see other interviews with other guys. It sounds like their voice, but to me, Spears sounds different. But uh, no, he's always been um, responsive and super cool and interested, and maybe not interested, but willing to talk to me. Yeah, I mean, he seemed
2: definitely willing to come back on. He seemed like he had a good time, and you know, he yeah, he he definitely seems he talks slower um than yeah. he does when he's obviously announcing a game.
1: Did you want to add anything about Kobe for you? Ah,
2: uh, for me, um, it's just crazy that he, that he's not even here, man. Like you know, I've been playing uh, NBA Two K,
1: uh-huh.
2: and I've been you know playing as much as with Kobe as much as possible. Like doing all of the signature moves, fadeaways, going to the hoop, and yeah. doing some mid-range stuff, three-pointers. Obviously. The guy doesn't miss. But then when you know, obviously we haven't been outside in a minute. But when I would go outside, or I'd pick up my phone and I see a a picture of him and his daughter and then the feelings come back again. You're like, damn, like, Oh yeah, that's right. Like he's really not here. And it's just, it's just crazy weird, man. Yeah, sure. I don't know if, I don't know if I will ever like truly like get over it. Like, you know, Spiro said really good thoughts like that. You could, this guy couldn't pass away in a helicopter crash. Like it's impossible. Yeah. And here we are. It's, we're now almost in April, you know, like, and he died in January. It's, it's moving too fast. And that's kind of scary.
1: No, I know what you mean. You know, I was reading, um, what, who was it? Somebody was interviewing Meta and asking him about, um, this was within the last few weeks I saw it and was asking him like, you know, what's it going to, do you think you'd ever get over something like this? And Meta said, he doesn't want to get over it. Cause he like always wants to feel it. Mm-hmm which is just an interesting take. And I guess it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been struggling a lot too. Just, it, just so many different things keep flooding back. Like, I think I told you, I sold my um, signed Kobe Jersey last year and I really just, I think about it all the time now, like especially just looking at the spot where it was in my living room or game room. And I just wish I hadn't done it. And at the time I was thinking like, you know, I have a little girl, she's getting older. She's going to Google him one day, potentially. It's just going to, kind of feel like a strange thing to hang in the house just given some of the past accusations against them and um, I sold it, and it's I really regret it now, and you know if I ever wanted to replace it, I'd probably have to pay an arm and a leg yeah that yeah. that's
2: that's an unfortunate one, but I mean, you know you made the decision because you obviously were thinking of the greater good for yeah. uh, your family. look, I almost named my son Kobe, and my wife gave me a thumbs up um but I ultimately decided that I didn't want that because of a i was in a like a quick ad hoc meeting with two women at my job and Kobe came up and they had negative things to say still. And this was a couple of years ago. yeah. So, or I I last year, um, and I was just, I was like, ah, you know what? I don't, I don't want that. Um, I didn't want a certain part of the population, you know, not liking my son or not giving him a fair chance because of his first name. So, you know, I, I, I get it completely. So, you know, and I love Kobe. As as my, I went to the memorial the day after he died, in Staples, and it was an eerie feeling. But you know, there's there's basketball, there's your fandom, and then there's your real life and your your priorities. And so you you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, Jeff. But you made the right yeah. decision at the time,
1: for sure. And yeah, just um, maybe I wish I'd kept it and just like put it in the closet or something for a while. <laughs> But, just um, buy
2: just buy another one and have to write your name on it and sign it as Kobe and just tell your daughter she'll never know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> so much else has happened since then too. Um, you know, we just had the I guess what would this be? 13th anniversary of his four straight 50-point games in March of 2007. Oh, that and, was such um, a great moment, man. The last one was in New Orleans. I had tickets to the game. I was in I went to school in New Orleans um and um I was in a fraternity. I'm not a frat guy. I just had happened to join one for a couple of years. And then there was a mandatory fraternity event the night of that game, even though I had bought the tickets like months beforehand and had to sell them. I sold them to a friend of mine down there and he was texting me. He was like, he had 50. and I was like, no way, not again. There was no way I missed a 50 point game when I had tickets and it happened. And so that's another thing I regret. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in his last season, uh, since I'm sure telling sad stories about <laughs> missed opportunities. Yeah. i bought tickets tickets um, from my coworker and during Kobe's last season, to go see him play. Yep. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to be great. And it was against the Hawks and he decided not to play. Oh, so, yeah. It was one of those, it was one of those things, you know, like Kobe was like 50, 50. And, you know, if it's a shitty team, sorry, if I curse, then you have to bleep it out. But if it's a no, bad team, nice. um, then, you know, Kobe's like, mm. Nah, I'm good, yeah. and the hawks <laughs> were, are still not good, you know, so but we went, we saw like d'Angelo and Julius Randall and Clarks yeah. kids, um, but no Kobe, unfortunately, I've seen him plenty of times, but that wasn't a time where I wanted to see him. I wanted to see old man Kobe, um, yeah so I'm on TV I never and-
1: saw old man Kobe I went to i guess it was the not his last year, but the year before twenty fifteen to a game in Dallas with my brother and some friends and um, Lakers game. And he sat out that game. Um, The last time I saw him play in person was a 2012, 2013 year. I went to both games when they came to Dallas. And um, the second one, like Mark Cuban had said something right before the game or maybe the day before the game that the Lakers should consider amnestying him. Just, (laughs) you know, for all the... Yeah, and then he went for 38, had several clutch shots. Like, you should just YouTube that game. Like, his fourth quarter, he was taking the worst shots you would like. Even for Kobe, they were like, Why is he shooting? And he made like four or five in a row in the fourth quarter to seal it. And um, it was unbelievable.
2: He did that a lot, man. He did like, What are you doing? Okay, never mind. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of my I mean, I probably saw him maybe like 10 times, 10, 12. Um, in a number of cities, like I said, I was in New Orleans, lived in D.C. for a while, obviously in Dallas, uh, only once in Los Angeles. Um, see, and
2: that's a cool experience. I only got to see um, him at Staples Center, and which is obviously great—you get to be amongst Laker fans. But I've always wanted to go to the road, like to drive to Sacramento or oh yeah, to uh, or even anywhere else. You know, just to go. Like Boston would be amazing, just mm-hmm. to go watch a game. Don's in my Laker gear and just be able to to root for my team amongst the enemy that would be so fun um that's that's pretty cool you got to do that you got to see games like new orleans and washington and yeah. that's that's pretty cool
1: the one time um you're talking about being decked out in gear 2010 playoffs the first round versus the thunder um i don't know how i got tickets to game 4 like i mean i had to have bought them online but i'm sure there was like some crazy lottery system or something but i managed to get two tickets online Drove with a friend to game four. It's about three or four hours from Dallas, Oklahoma City. And um, I don't remember what the final score was, but I want to say the Lakers lost by like at least 25. And it, it tied the series at 2-2. But yeah, I remember like walking to the stadium in a Kobe jersey and everyone's yelling at me. I mean, there are a lot of Laker fans there, obviously, but there was just everyone was yelling at me, giving me crap. But uh, that was a fun experience as well.
2: <laughs> uh, you, you know what Um, a, a Kobe game that I actually went to that I popped into my head? that I couldn't think of earlier um, me and my brother went to a game where he hit a game winner against the Pacers and it was like yeah. a little fade. It was a little fade away. At like it may be like 15 feet, something like that. 18 feet right around yeah, there. Like
1: top like, of the key. Like, yeah, nine exactly, right season. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, I was, cause they were losing that whole game and they played like crap. And I was, I was so irritated because it's like, why do I, like, why I was just so upset that I was actually there with my brother. We're there. We, you know, Staple Center is not cheap. No, no 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 NBA games cheap anymore. And yeah. it's like you give us this crappy energy Lakers, like we're expecting a championship and you give us this. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Kobe ended up winning the game and it's like, "All right, yay. I remember just being so pissed, like I can't believe we only we beat this team by that." Mm-hmm. Um it's just like thinking about it, like that's how spoiled I was as a fan and still am i mean i'm still mad to this day like come on man like they couldn't even give me a good effort but... yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh-huh. it's like you know that's he they did that to you like the, the lakers kobe did that to you they spoiled you um expected greatness all the time and how hard is it to get up every day i mean to do the same thing it's it's tough now that i'm an adult <laughs> a little older <laughs> i get it
1: yeah it's um it really is unreal it's been you know, I never really stopped watching his YouTube highlights, but now when I do it, it's just like it's just such a strange feeling, and just it's that like, Oh, you know, it was crazy. Um, we were talking about that March two thousand seven game against the Hornets. Somebody was posting about it on Instagram, and in the photo they posted, he's being guarded by Rasul Butler, who was on the Hornets oh, that game. Yeah, and they're both gone, and it's just like what? And yeah. That- and- with Thread. Azul,
2: he he lives like, or he not lived, but where he passed away it was like right down the street from where I live. So mm-hmm. me and my wife actually went to um, pay our respects at um, the place where he lost his life, and it's just crazy. Like that's another one where it's like, man, and that was, you know, a car accident. And those are obviously they happen a lot more. But yeah, that, yeah. it's funny you brought him up because I, I think about that too, and it's like, damn, like just another one gone, man. Mm-hmm.
1: And I the, the, I remember. Just randomly thinking talking about Russell Butler. Like a day or two after that happened, I recorded with Brian Cook, who played with him on the Clippers for a while, and he was really emotional about it still. I was even surprised he still wanted to talk to me that day. He was willing to do it. It's just, it's just crazy.
2: That is nuts, man. Cookie, Brian Cook. He, yeah. that guy never met a shot he didn't like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I uh, affectionately referred to him as a, the Cookie Monster in his years in LA. <laughs> cookie Monster. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Um, I'm going to try and get it edited in the next couple of days. And if you want to post it on yours too, I'll send you the link or whatever you want to do is all good.
2: 100%. I definitely will post it on mine. Cool. Awesome. Talk to you soon, man. Absolutely. Jeff, take care, buddy.